0: Hi, this is the Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Now, as we look to the Word of God, I invite you to turn with me to the Book of Proverbs, chapter 13. A number of years ago, a British publication offered a prize for someone to submit the best definition of a friend. They received thousands of entries, and they released some of the best. These included, A friend is someone who multiplies joys, divides grief, and whose honesty is unbreakable. A friend is one who understands our silence. A friend, said a six-year-old boy, is someone who knows all about you and likes you just the same. The winning definition read, a friend is the one who comes in even when the whole world has gone out. And this morning, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Proverbs as we're talking about wisdom, the way of wisdom, pursuing wisdom, and specifically with regards to friendships. So we're going to look at Proverbs 13, verse 20, to begin with. And as we look at this verse and others, we're going to see and discover that every believer in Jesus needs to exercise wisdom in choosing their friends. We need to exercise wisdom in choosing our friends. These people that we hang out with, these people that we bring in close, that we invest in. One of the reasons why we need to be wise in choosing our friends is quite simply because our friends shape us. It's first point. Our friends shape us. They influence us. Verse 20 of Proverbs 13 "'Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, "'but the companion of fools will suffer harm.'" Friendships have a profound impact on our lives, both presently but the direction of our future. It's been said that we become like who we hang around with, who we spend time with, who we're influenced by, who we invest in, and so we need to be careful. We need to be wise because our friends are going to shape and influence us either positively or negatively. And we've talked again all summer pursuing wisdom, growing in wisdom, attaining wisdom. And Proverbs 13 20 gives us one clear way for us to grow in wisdom. It says, Get with wise people. Whoever wants to be wise walks with the wise. Find people who are wiser than you. And, and get with them. Find people who are pursuing wisdom. Develop friendships with those people. Find people who are walking in the ways of the Lord, who are, who are running towards Jesus. Surround yourself with them. Positive, good influences in your life. Now, kids, teenagers, school starts on Tuesday. And, and, and you hear this maybe over and over and over again. You know, Pick your, pick your friends carefully. Pick your friends carefully. But you hear it over and over again because it's true. It actually really matters. It's so crucial for you to learn how to make wise choices on who your friends are going to be. Not just talking about you know, being friendly and, and interacting with just everybody at school, but who gets in close, that inner circle. We have to be wise. How many times do we hear the stories from people, Oh, I got in with the wrong crowd. And then I made the wrong choices. And then I suffered these consequences. And I fell down into this way. And then I was stuck in this pit and all this kind of stuff. And there was this horrible scene. Now we know that God can work miraculously. And he can rescue people out of the pit. And he can change their lives. And they can be set on a new direction. Absolutely. But wisdom calls out for us to say, It is so much better for you to avoid that pit if possible. Wisdom is a warning saying, Listen. Avoid. There are ways to grow in wisdom so that you can avoid some of these pitfalls and literal pits that you may fall into depending on what friends that you have and what they're up to. Parents, help your kids out in this. Help your kids out in this journey. Learn who their friends are and who their friends' parents are. Get get involved. Get involved. And model wisdom to your own kids by how you select friends. Your kids are watching, well, who are the types of people that my parents hang out with? They see, they learn. Wisdom calls out to all of us, regardless of your age. We've got to be careful, we've got to be cautious of who we're making friends with because of the influence that they have on us. Proverbs twelve twenty six says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The wise person, the righteous person, the godly person doesn't just rush into any and every friendship and bring them in close. They're cautious because the way of the wicked leads them astray. And here's the reality. There are many people, Proverbs makes this distinction, the wise and the fool. There are many fools out there that are going to try to lead you astray. They're going to try to lure you either intentionally or maybe a little more subtly to join them in their wickedness, to join them in their sinfulness, to join them in their way of folly. Whether that's some people who are actually right up in your face and just, come on, try this with us, no one's going to find out, it's really fun, whatever, that kind of peer pressure, or just, again, a more subtle, I'm just kind of with these people and then they start doing these things and, okay, maybe I'm going to do this thing as well. And I'll tell you, it's tempting sometimes to join in with the wicked, Sometimes you look at what they do, look at the fun that they're having, and look at the experiences that have, and they go, Phew, sometimes it's, oh, I want that. It's, it's alluring. It's tempting. And, and you go, well, maybe I, maybe I could compromise over here. Maybe I could join in, in that way, and maybe I could do this. But the Word of God proves true. That it may seem fun in the moment. It may have short-term pleasure. In the end, it's going to lead to ruin and pain, disappointment and destruction. And it calls out to us, run, run. So I'm going to give a little illustration here. I'm going to have my friend Colin come on the stage here. I'm a visual person, so I'm going to give this a go. So Colin, um, not to typecast you, but you're going to represent the fool and the wicked. Sorry. So if pursuing wisdom and following Jesus is like climbing up a ladder, the the higher you go safely up the ladder, I'm going to sit this way. You know, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus, follow the ways of wisdom. It's a lot harder for me to take somebody who's not interested in that, come on over here, Colin, and and to try to bring them up with me. And whoa, whoa, it's difficult. It's not impossible, but it's really hard to do that. Now, if I'm trying to follow wisdom and he's trying to follow folly and doesn't care, and he's like, hey, come on, let's do foolish things, and he tries to pull me down, it's pretty easy for him to do that. Thanks, Colin. You can give him a hand. A simple illustration that I hope just helps hammer home the point. A little bit. (laughs) The latter's not wanting to cooperate. Thank you. So this is trying to help us understand and illustrate. We want to get around people who are not going to be intentionally pulling us down, pulling us away from wisdom, pulling us away from Jesus, but we want to be surrounding ourselves with people who are also trying to climb that ladder, who are also trying to get closer to Jesus. And when you're around those people, maybe you stumble a little bit trying to get up to that next step, that next rung, but then they're there to help push you up and keep you going. Those are the kinds of people that you want to be surrounding yourself with. And I want to be sure that we're clear on this. I'm not talking about you can never ever hang out with any non-Christians or something like that. That we have to live in this Christian bubble and all we do is interact with believers and don't talk to non-believers or anything like that. That's not at all what I'm saying. We're called to be salt and light into the world, to go out into the world, to reach the world and to introduce them to Jesus. But what I am saying is as you do that, as we do that, we need strong godly Christian support along the way, reminding us that we're salt and light, reminding us of what we're called to do, helping us, people that can pray for you, people that can pray with you, people that can encourage you on the way and serve with you. And so we're so excited, again, to offer all types of atmospheres, environments for that, whether it's kids gathering here on Sunday mornings to make friends, youth group on Tuesday nights, Young adults, Sunday nights, again, different adult ministries we have, particularly small groups. I've said it already, but join a small group. Get some friends that are following Jesus. They're trying to climb up that ladder and climb that ladder together. Just got to get with wise people. Get with wise people. And the exhortation to get with wise people might mean that the types of friends that we could have, we might have to be open to different types of friendships. So people that maybe you wouldn't pick to be your friend at first glance, but ends up being like a super wise person and could be an amazing friend. They could be older than you, they could be significantly younger than you, but let's not be too narrow-minded. Oh, I'm only going to be friends with people in this little age bracket who also wear red and also like the same whatever. We've got to be open to that. I'm so thankful that I've had the chance to interact and meet with people who are maybe a little bit older than me, but who share their wisdom. So I'm I'm going to put him on the spot a little bit. So Pastor Garth is my boss. okay, And that's great. We have a good working relationship. He's a tad older than me. He's been around the block a little bit. But there are times we work together. But I'm so glad that he takes the time to say, here's what I have learned. Here is wisdom because he wants me to grow. And so then I can take some of those things and I can pass those on to those who are also younger than me or maybe the same age as me. And so those who are a little bit older this morning, senior citizens, you have so much wisdom, so much experience that you can testify to the Lord's goodness and his faithfulness that you can teach younger people. But can I ask you and encourage you to take a little bit of initiative and maybe maybe talk to someone who's a little bit younger or a lot younger than you. It's a little scary sometimes when you cross generational lines. And I'm so thankful that we have second half ministries and that's going really well. But can I, can I ask maybe you also, also, try to make some friends with maybe people who are a little bit younger than you. It's going to be so valuable. I found it so valuable. And I know you may find it even more valuable. You might learn from the younger people. It goes both ways. So let's just be open to who our friends are could be. Um, We want to find people who are pointing us to Jesus, but also let's flip it around and make sure that we're doing our best to point others to Jesus as well. It's not just about a one-way street. Friendship goes both ways. Okay, So that's one reason why we need to exercise wisdom. Another reason is because not all friends are equal. Not all friends are equal. Proverbs 18, 24 says, the ESV says a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the NIV up on the screen there, just a little bit different wordplay, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but then there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So there's a real difference between a companion or an acquaintance or a fair weather friend, if you will, versus a true friend, somebody who is there sticks close to a brother. They're reliable. They're, they're genuine, they're loyal, because it's easy to have lots of friends when things are going well. But when stuff hits the fan, when you screw up, when you need help of all kinds of various reasons, that's when you generally discover who your real friends are, who's actually going to stick by you. One person has said, prosperity creates friendships, but adversity proves them. Adversity proves them. And before we get too carried away in our minds, maybe you're going there, maybe you're not, and we start immediately thinking about other people, I'm like, oh yeah, I thought you were my friend, man. Where, where were you when this happened? I thought this, and I thought we were so close. Make sure that you press pause and put that mirror up in front of your face again. Say, wait a minute. Was I there when they needed help? Do I stick closer than a brother to them? I can't, I can't just be like a leech that just receives and sucks and sucks and receives and receives and expect that friendship to be great if I never give into it, never pour into it, and never prove to them that I am also a genuine friend that's there for them when they need it. It goes both ways. Are we a loyal friend or are we just a companion? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's fair to say that when we read something like Proverbs 18, 24, we say, man, it would be so great to have this friend that sticks closer to a brother maybe we have one maybe we don't yet but we can also i think we can get a little bit off track with maybe our imaginations and our expectations of what this friendship could or should look like uh, maybe we think you know what this this type of friend this best friend they're going to be there no matter what, through every stage of life, we're gonna go through diapers together, we're gonna do awkward junior high together, we're gonna graduate high school together, we're gonna get married at the same time, have kids at the same time, we're gonna move to the same city. Actually, no, we're gonna be on the same street, we're gonna work at the same place, and we're gonna retire together, we're gonna lose our hearing together, and our families are gonna have cemetery plots right beside each other, and we're gonna be best friends from from birth to death, and it's gonna be amazing, and nothing bad's ever gonna happen. It's gonna be wonderful. Sounds awesome. But if I'm honest, it doesn't sound that probable. The reality is, very few of us end up having a friend like that for our entire lives. Because seasons change. We have seasons of life, seasons of friendship, seasons of transition. So let's do maybe a little experiment. Just hands-up participation, helping us to illustrate that very few friends stay very close for very long. How many of you, show of hands are still really close with friends that you were really close with in elementary school? A few hands. So you were friends then, and you're still friends. Not like, oh, I've ta- I found them on Facebook 20 years later, and now we catch up. But the whole time, you've been friends. Okay, a few hands. What about high school? We were friends then. We're still friends now. few more hands. Still not a ton. Look around. Not a ton. What about college, university? A few more hands. Okay, so still not a ton of people. And, and this is not meant to scare you, uh, those that are in school right now being like, oh no. But it's just par- trying to illustrate reality. I, I'm 32 years old. I think I've had eight different best friends in my life that I thought were legit best friends. It shifts, it changes. I mean, I moved all over the country and all that kind of stuff so that plays a factor. But that's what I'm trying to explain. And you have seasons of friendship. And you may not have the same best friend for your entire life. But you could have really great friends through every season of life. If we're open enough to keep going and to keep uh, taking the initiative and keep meeting people. And I think about today. Proverbs 18.24 is not a guarantee that you are going to have this best friend just thrown into your lap. And sometimes we can think that where is my best friend? God, Proverbs eighteen twenty four. There is a friend that sticks closer to the brother. Where are they? It, it, he doesn't just there you go, instant best friend. You've got to take some steps. Also, you've got to actually meet some people and say hello, introduce yourself, and be willing to open up a little bit. This is not a guarantee, but it's a, a wisdom saying explaining that there's a difference between companions and true friends, and those true friends are such a treasure. Hang on to them. Hang on to them as, as long as you can, if possible. And I think about how easy it is for us to have lots of companions today, especially with social media. You know, i got 1,200 friends online and 600 likes and comments on everything that I post and whatever, and you go, 1,200 friends? 1,200 friends? More than likely, you have 1,200 companions, and a few of those are actually your real friends In fact, results are already coming in that social media is actually making it way more difficult for current generation and the next generation to make legitimate, lasting friendships. A study found that those who are 22 years old and younger, so if that's you, listen up, 22 years and younger are now considered to be the loneliest generation in history. In history. Sure, they have more social connection online than ever before, but there's less interaction, there's less face-to-face conversation, there's less memories being made among people. Out of that survey of those people when they found that, 25% of that group said they don't even have one close friend that they can be honest and talk to about real, hard, important things. One. 25% of them don't have one person. They've got thousands and hundreds of online friends, but not one person that they can call and say, I need to talk And if you're a little bit older than that, don't think you're out of the woods. Another report has found that the ages of 25 to 35 is now the most difficult decade to make new friendships or keep existing solid friendships. Awesome. Okay. One of the reasons is because it's a time of crazy transition. You finish college or university, maybe you start your career, and that might mean moving to a new city. Maybe you get married. That's a big change. Maybe you start having kids, all that kind of stuff. Big changes. And so it's tough to... Manage existing friendships, make really solid new friends when all of that is happening. I'm 32 again. I'm near the end of that decade, and I can testify. It's tough. It's difficult to make really solid, best, new, good friends in the midst of all of that. But can I encourage you, if you're in that age, don't give up trying. I know it's difficult. And it's easier to just say, man, I miss those friends. And it's easier to say, well, is it really worth the effort? Because then we've got to go through the whole thing. They don't know who I really am, and all this kind of stuff. And cradles, I'd rather just sit at home, watch Netflix. That's fine. It's easier to do that, but please don't do that. Keep trying, keep initiating. It doesn't mean that every conversation you have is going to automatically turn into your new best friend, but you could find your new best friend in a conversation. You just don't know. And so I want to give you a challenge, whether you're 25 or however old you are, for the month of September, we got 28 days left of September, may I challenge you to talk to somebody in the church new, as in you don't know who they are, or someone that you haven't talked to in a very long time, and actually invite them over lunch, dessert, supper, coffee, or if you don't want to clean your house, go out somewhere. Just something to find somebody, say, hey, you know what? An individual, a couple, a family, whoever it is, say, I don't really know you. Let's at least intentionally use this time to learn a little bit more about each other. Take the time to say, hey, this is who I am. And you can talk about, hey, how did you hear about the gathering? Uh, When did you first start following Jesus? What's that story like? Start there. And maybe they don't follow Jesus yet. And you can be like, okay, well, where are you at? And you can have a conversation about why you follow Jesus. It's not a guarantee that you'll meet your best friend, but you could. You could meet your new best friend this month. Take a chance. Take a chance. Last thing that I want to talk about this morning, even in all this choosing wisdom, selecting friends, that we have to understand is that Jesus is the greatest friend. Jesus is the greatest friend, and it might sound cliche, but I think it sounds cliche more because of how we have used the term rather than the reality of it. We like to say Jesus is my best BFF or he's my homeboy, or, wear a shirt or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. When Jesus was alive, he was called the friend of sinners. In Matthew eleven nineteen, in a derogatory sense, people were mad at him. Look at him; he's hanging out with those sinners, with those people. He was called the friend of sinners because he actually got together with them, spent time with them, ate with them, talked with them, invested in them, reached out to them, took the initiative. And I'm really glad that he did that because I'm a sinner. And you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all rebelled. We've all turned away to our own way. But Jesus left heaven he came down to seek and save those who are lost he came down to find us to rescue us to offer us salvation for anybody that would turn from their sin that would turn to him in faith and they would be totally forgiven and receive salvation that's found in his name and become friends with him he is the one who took the initiative he's the greatest friend and he talked about friendship. You know, he had his 12 disciples. People are like, oh yeah, he had his 12 friends. Yeah, he had his 12 friends, but he had lots of other people and friends on earth as well. But when he gathered his 12 friends, he talked to them about friendship. In John 15, this is what it looks like to be a friend. He says, greater love has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for his friends. And then he didn't just say it. He went and did it. And he didn't just die for the 12 who were his tight-knit posse, He died for the world, those that weren't his friends yet. Those were actually sinners and his enemies to make us his friends. He went forth in our place, died, paid the penalty for our sin, and was raised again to life. And he offers forgiveness and salvation, and he offers a forever friendship with him. And if friendship and forgiveness weren't enough, in John 1.12, he tells us, he actually gives us the right to become God's children. All who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right to become children of God. Who are we that we should receive such grace and mercy and be friends with Jesus, let alone God's very children? Who are we? We don't, we don't deserve Jesus' friendship. We don't even deserve a look from Jesus. Jesus. But he took that first move. And he invites us in to friendship. And since we do have friendship with Jesus, by the grace of God, can I encourage you to develop that friendship with Jesus? It's the best and most important relationship that you can have or will ever have. You may have really good friends or really tight-knit family, and you say, oh man, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my aunt, my cousin, my best friend, they're, they're so great. They may be great, but Jesus is greater. Because even our best friends will fail us. Even our best friends and our family will disappoint us. They'll let us down. We'll let them down. They may even betray and abandon us. They won't be 100% perfect, 100% faithful, but Jesus is. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know in Scripture that he is called faithful and true? It's one of his names in Revelation. One of his names. Jesus is faithful and true. That's who he is. And in Hebrews, He's the, called, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means his faithfulness doesn't change. He's faithful and true all the time, forever. No one else can say that. None of your friends can say that. None of your friends can be there 24-7, but he is. He's there. Your friends can't pay for, their, for your sins, even if they wanted to. They've got their own sin that needs to be paid for, but Jesus did. He paid for it all. Your friends can't bring you into God's family and into his kingdom. Jesus can. And your friends, try as they might, your friends can't give you the peace that passes understanding when you're going through trials, temptations, and struggles. Jesus can. And your friends can't offer you eternal life. Jesus can, and he does. He's the greatest friend you can ever have. Listen to the wisdom of Proverbs. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. Cultivate that relationship with him. That means spending time with him. Get to know him. Read about him in the word. You can start. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four Gospels. Read through those. Get to know Jesus. Who is he? What did he say? What did he teach? What did he do? How did he interact? Get to know him. A friendship involves time spent together. Get to know him alone. Have times of solitude. But then also get to know him with other people. Study together. Have times to pray. Talk to your friend. We talk to our friends. Talk to your friend Jesus through prayer. And as you study, as you learn more and see how great he is and what he's done for you, then we worship him even more. We give thanks to him and we praise him for how great he is. That he is our forever friend. That he is the greatest friend closer than a brother. I know we've said it a bunch of times today, but man, if you're not in one, join a small group. That will help get with people who are wanting to learn more about Jesus. And you will learn more about Jesus, the greatest friend that there is. We all want good and lasting friendships. We all desire it. But we need to use wisdom as we choose our human interaction friendships, absolutely, because we know we're influenced by them, and they're not all equal. But we've got to remember that Jesus is the only one who will truly stick closer than a brother 24-7. He's the greatest friend we could ever have. So, again, let's cultivate that deep friendship with Jesus Christ and then also do our very best to point others to Him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your friendship through your Son, Jesus. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We don't deserve it, we don't deserve your friendship but you offer it. So thank you. And Lord, I pray for everybody here. Pray for each one of us that we would all recognize that you are the greatest friend and that we would maybe, as we kick off a new season, a new school year, that we would also kick off maybe a a renewed focus on getting to know you, on cultivating a relationship with you, Jesus. Because our friends, as good as they may be, are not perfect and they will fail us but you will never fail us. And Father, I do pray for wisdom for each one of us as we do choose other friends along the way. I pray that you would help us to choose people that are going to influence us in a positive way, that are going to push us closer to you and not drag us farther from you. And Lord, maybe there's some of us here this morning that might need to actually step away from a friendship that is pulling them down that's leading them down the way of wickedness, down the way of folly, far from you. And maybe there are people here that they're crying out and they feel the weight of loneliness and they're just saying, oh man, if I could have just one or two godly friends, how great that would be. Lord, I do ask that you would, you would do a work and that you would provide friends, good godly friends to those who need them and help each one of us to be maybe a little bit more courageous, a little bit more bold in taking initiative and meeting some people and and putting ourselves out there and trying to make some new friends. And God, I pray for our whole church. I pray that we would not just be a welcoming church, which I believe we are, and I thank you for that, but I pray that we would be a church where people can find friends, that we would be friends. We don't all have to be best friends with everybody, but I pray that this would be a body of believers that is friends with each other. And you can come and you can find a friend, a friend that will point them to you. Most of all, Jesus, I pray for those who may be here this morning who don't have a friendship with you. I ask that your spirit would work, would draw their hearts to salvation, that they would understand that their sin, they'd see their sin, but they'd also see your mercy and what you've done for them on the cross, and that there is a way of forgiveness, there's a way of salvation, putting their hope and their trust in you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done for them, that you offer that forgiveness, you offer that friendship, that relationship to become a child of God. Would you do that here this morning, and would you use us to introduce more people to Jesus in our city even next week at the block party, so that more people can become your children, more people can sing your praises, more people can say, I have a friend in God. I'm a child of God. I was a sinner, but now I'm free. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.